0: Hello, UCLA. It's me again, Chris Campbell, and I'm uh, here with my two favorite people in the whole world. I'm bringing you another wonderful episode of No Offense. That was such a half hearted intro, Chris. Let, let's be a bit more uh, lively here. I'm uh, Keisha, one of Chris's assistant opinion editors.
1: And I'm Abhishek, one of the opinion writers.
0: All right, so now we're getting back on track. Um, so we have another wonderful show in store for you today. Um, it is eighth week of spring quarter. The year is running, coming to a close, and um, I mean, it's it's still May. We still have uh, seven months in the year. Yeah, don't remind me. <laughs> um, the academic year is running to a. Why do I keep say running? It's coming to a close. Um, I will soon be graduating and will soon be gone, but these people uh, will still be here to carry on my wonderful legacy. Um, we have a, on an unrelated note, uh, we have a show for you today. <laughs> um, so we're going to be talking about esports. If you guys don't know, um, esports is basically uh, competitive video gaming in which, um, different, in which people uh, compete, in games such as League of Legends, World of Warcraft, um, other other games like that, use the best. And it gets pretty competitive, and people get really, really good at these games. And a lot of people pay a lot of money um, to watch them and to merchandise and stuff like that. It's actually become a really big industry. Um, so last week, one of our columnists wrote this um, piece about how UCLA should institute an esports scholarship, the same that they would for any other sports scholarship, like football or basketball or something like that they should do the same for uh, eSports players who might come to UCLA. Um, And I thought that was really interesting, Um, but Kishab definitely has thoughts on that, so why don't you take it away?
2: Yep, so to add a bit more about eSports, like Chris said, it's competitive gaming. Um, Games also include um, some popular titles such as Super Smash Bros. and Hearthstone. Um, And like Chris said, you know, there are national championships for these sorts of things. There's world championships as well. So, for example, the League of Legends World Championship draws crowds from all over the world. Um, they're also usually South Korean-dominated teams. But uh, it, it's a really competitive field, and it's also uh, a really growing field. Um, the, the support for eSports and the number of people participating in it is growing. And uh, people in the United States, of course, are taking part in that as well. And when it comes to the scholarship program, it's worth noting that, for example, last year, um, E.C. Irvine created an e- eSports scholarship program um, we basically gave out scholarships for those, as uh, treated esports like a sport of its own, like sort of like an athletic scholarship. And if you don't know, the Irvine scene has a lot of gaming companies. Um, for example, Blizzard Games, which um, came about from a UCLA alumni and I believe is responsible for World of Warcraft. I'm sorry, I'm not too much of a gamer myself. I did play tr- uh, Team Fortress 2 for a while before I realized that it was eating up too much of my time and my computer's uh, computing power. Yeah. But that's another point. You could have become an esporter. I could have, but I just wasn't good enough in my pyro and spy skills. I was good for engineer, but everybody kept killing me. I I digress. Um, (laughs) So, in in Irvine is a big, uh, uh, you know, esports scene and a gaming scene. So, a lot of companies in the area were sort of supportive of this esports scholarship, and they began sponsoring um, uh, initiatives in on campus. So, for example, um, UC Irvine was able to build um, several hundred thousand square foot. Uh, three thousand five hundred square foot esports gaming arena. So they had an old, um, sort of recreational area. People they had pool tables and whatnot that wasn't doing so well. They scrapped that entire thing, built a massive, um, gaming arena, and sort of like a basketball stadium of of sorts, except it has computers. It's where people can use it to use it to play games, and um. One of our columnists last week wrote about how UCLA shouldn't be outdone by this and how UCLA should also create an eSports scholarship to tap into the Silicon Beach potential. So if you don't know, Silicon Beach is sort of the antithesis or the counterpart um, to Silicon Valley up north in Northern California. So uh, Silicon Valley, as you know, is a is a tech hub. You have a lot of big-name companies like Microsoft, Google, uh Facebook and Amazon have headquarters, not headquarters, they have, some of them have headquarters there, others have like um, centers there. And this is basically a big startup hub for people. But LA also has a startup hub, and not many people know about this, but it's located near Venice Beach, um, Santa Monica as well. It sort of started off like about, you know, a decade ago. And it's, think of it as like a more entertainment-centered tech area, where you have technology meeting Hollywood or entertainment. So it becomes an ideal like place Immediately you can see how esports
0: can play a big role in Los Angeles. Yeah, but how can it like how can an esports scholarship help to tap into like that capital and like those businesses? Right. So I mean
2: one of the UCLA's bigger strengths is its alumni network. Um, a lot of people go into gaming, a lot of people go into designing things for um, this entertainment tech field. And by creating an esports scholarship, um UCLA wouldn't just serve I mean, the misconception is that it would serve in a niche community. But eSports covers a lot, of, a wide range of topics. For example, it covers virtual reality and what's called augmented reality. This is sort of the notion of, like, let's say you put on a pair of, you know, like the goggles that Samsung has, or you put a Samsung Galaxy in front, and you sort of, you can see that you're swimming underwater or something. Imagine, there, there's gaming's being experimented in that realm. And you can also look at um, research. Um, UCLA would benefit from, benefit from doing this sort of research. For example, UC Irvine has said some really cool things about um, research into the effects of games and uh, different environments on people's, uh, you know, their psyche and uh, their minds. So it's, there's a lot of interesting things that can come out of learning how people interact with video games on top of supporting an all, like, already burgeoning like, culture here in UCLA and also in Los Angeles. Although, I, Abhishek is looking kind of funny at me, so I get the feeling he disagrees with what I'm saying.
1: Well, I guess... I'm I'm not particularly enthusiastic about it. I guess if you can like get the money, I can see like you would have research opportunities to fund it, and yeah, that's all I see. Really?
2: Well, I mean, okay, One of the things to note for research was, for example, more specifically, UC Irvine funded twelve research projects. Um, and the sort of things they were looking at was, like, the hippocampus of players who played Minecraft. And if you don't know, Minecraft is a lot about constructing areas, constructing things in 3D. Um, and it's sort of the notion of, like, um, they can get an idea of how people's spatial memory works. So there's a big aspect of psychology in video games that, that you know, researchers would benefit from. Of course, noting that the most common undergraduate major is psychology on campus. Um, but besides that, like, when it comes to feasibility, um... Obviously, space is a big concern. UCLA might have a tough time making its own arena because, after all, we barely have space to build. A, you know, more, for example, th- there isn't there is an open space next to Ackerman, the the loading dock that, that they sort of emptied out, and we all wrote an editorial about. But I don't think that's enough. That's enough to build a massive gaming arena like UC Irvine has. Why not?
1: Isn't there enough space?
0: I mean, don't you need like don't you just need like a few computers? Theoretically? That sort of simplifies it, I think. (laughs) Wow. I don't know where I was going.
2: (laughs) I mean, okay, so one thing is funding and one thing is space, right? So funding, the notion can come from tapping into Silicon Beach, potential, like, capital. Um, I would guess that if if UCLA catered or specialized its eSports focus more on, like, you know, the interaction people have with the gaming consoles and with the technology... Um, they can definitely garner the support of companies like Snapchat and and Tinder, which are really focused on the user experience. For example, Snapchat came out with its what are they called? The Snap go- Snap oh, The
0: Snap spectacles. S- snap spectacles. Yeah. The Snapsticles. They're they're Snapchat's spe- like that's where they're officially called. Right. So that's sort of the notion of like
2: wearing wearable technology and interacting with it uh, um, to enrich your experience and. Your lives, of course. So I think eSports, like, you can definitely find, you know, interested vendors who can help out. And what's more, like, I would think Irvine, the companies in Irvine wouldn't be opposed to coming up to Los Angeles and providing sponsorship for these sorts of initiatives.
0: So I guess it's not so much as necessarily recognizing eSports as, like, a sport so much as it is, like, connecting UCLA to, like, the broader, like, tech scene and, um... Like, research on, like, um, video games and stuff like that?
2: Exactly. I mean, one of the big criticisms of the engineering department here is that it's really theoretical. Um, and that's kind of ironic, considering engineering is all about being hands-on. Um, now, if you ask me, you probably find me on campus, like, fretting over an electrical engineering lab, and that might seem not theoretical, but I don't think I'm going to be interacting with, with, like, resistors in my everyday lives but I digress. I'm just ranting about electrical engineering at this point. I'm
1: not sure what that had to do with the topic.
2: I don't think it had anything to do with the topic. I just thought it'd be worth yeah, bringing it really, up. Yeah,
1: but really, where will they find space?
2: Um, it's such a major issue. So one of the things is like um, LA Hacks, for example, which is one of the largest hackathons held on the West Coast, um, is held in poly Pavilion. Um, now, having an an like, sports arena open all the time, or like, regularly might be difficult, but um, urging students to come here and creating, let's say, a research center in someone's lab or in a department, and then utilizing spaces on campus um, like Poly Pavilion to hold like annual conventions or whatnot, I think can meet the needs of the esports community here. Obviously, with LA being crowded, there's um, LA.
1: LA is crowded.
2: You need to cut that part out. <laughs> UCLA being UCLA being. Uh, a very crowded campus and congested campus, finding space will be
0: difficult. To be fair, L.A. is also crowded and expensive, so your statement still holds. I feel like you should cut that part out.
1: <laughs> now we can't, Kay, we? Yeah, no, we now,
0: can. now we've made it like a whole thing. We can't <laughs> cut it out. W- where are we going with this?
1: We're going, we were talking about the inaccuracies. Yeah, there's, <laughs> no,
2: there's no space for, on huh. campus for stuff. All right. With, with UCLA being a crowded campus, it's obviously difficult to find a space that's open all the time and free to create a gaming center.
0: Unless, of course, you want to, like, nuke Royce Hall and then create a gaming center. What is it with you and this guy, this guy, let me tell you, audience at home, this guy, every example that he ever comes up with for an opinion column is always, tear down Royce Hall, burn down Royce Hall, Royce Hall is terrible. And I don't know, like, what his problem is with Royce Hall, but he's been doing it, like, all year, and I I don't think he's going to stop. The
1: classrooms there are so nice in Royce Hall, let me say that.
0: And the auditorium, too. So, UCLA, like, Gene, if you're listening to this, you should probably keep an eye on this guy.
2: Lock him up.
0: Um, yeah. Anyways, what were we talking about?
2: Um, I guess what I was trying to point out is that the esports community's needs on UCLA aren't necessarily the same as those on UC Irvine, right? UC Irvine had space and that's why they created an esports arena. But UCLA could venture more into the the virtual reality aspect of it, or the psychological aspect of video gaming. And yeah, there's a lot of research to be gained from that. And if they center their ex- like the initiative in a lab in a research focused area where students can Come with scholarships for you know in the competitive sphere, of course, um, and they can um, you know convert areas such as Poly Pavilion to hold you know, competitions, um, esports competitions. I think UCLA could make it happen, um, unless um obviously it would be difficult to find other spaces on campus, but yeah. there's certainly rooms that you can purpose for esports competition. Of course, this is with the the benefit with it being a tech base is you don't have to necessarily be there in person. Um, you could always spread out people across multiple rooms and just give them a good enough e- internet connection.
0: Yeah, it's a bummer that they built that giant football training facility.
2: Unless, of course, uh, they, they intend to make it like, uh, you know, a Madden football training facility. So basically people are going to be sitting there playing games.
1: That's not how things work. That's not how space works. Uh,
2: I, I don't know. You never know what's, I don't even know what's going on inside there. It's just a big dome.
0: I mean, it just basically takes a few computers, right?
1: we can do that in the daily run office itself yeah
0: except we we don't have
2: good wi-fi so we could
0: literally do it in this room right now yeah this room has wi-fi this
2: room has has
0: decent enough wi-fi yeah i think i think
2: this is signaling that we should probably end this section at some point
0: all right then let's end it right now and let's talk about other things when we come back Um, So hello folks. Um, If you were trying to get a good look at the Hollywood sign, you might be out of luck for now. Um, So in case you didn't know, the Hollywood sign is one of LA's most famous attractions. It's a big sign on uh, Mount Lee up in the Hollywood Hills. And it says Hollywood in big white letters it was just it was originally a billboard for um, a housing development called um, Hollywood Land back in the 20s and they just kind of like left it up and kind of became a thing and people were kind of like, "Oh, I guess that looks kind of cool so they just kind of left it up and then back in the 1970s it was kind of deteriorating, so they um, so they repaired it and they made it like an actual landmark and Now like tourists come from all over the world just to look at this giant, really old billboard. Um, until now. So, um, in case you didn't know, I gotta stop starting my sentences like that, because of course you didn't know. <laughs> um. You found out too late, Chris. Yes. Even if you did know, I'm just gonna repeat it for you. Um, so if you want to get a really good look at the Hollywood sign, most f- visitors usually, um, go up into the Beachwood neighborhood. Um, so they take Beechwood Lane up in the Hollywood Hills, and it's a residential area with residential streets. Um, which doesn't really mix well with a major tourist attraction that attracts you know millions of visitors annually. Um, and so those streets tend to get clogged up with traffic. There's a lot of people walking around. And obviously, if you're wealthy and you're paying a lot of money to live up in the hills and presumably have some privacy, you're not going to be happy about this. And the uh, Beachwood residents were not happy. Um, so so a group of them filed a lawsuit against the Parks and Recreations Department ordering them to close off the trail um, over at the Beachwood neighborhood that most visitors had been taking to look at the Hollywood sign. And they won that lawsuit, so the trail is now closed. So for the time being, if you want to look at the Hollywood sign, you're going to either have to stay down in the valley, which is usually not ideal because the sign is blocked by buildings, or you're going to have to go to like um, Griffith Observatory or elsewhere in like Griffith Park, which again isn't ideal because, you know, in Beachwood, like the sign is like right there. Um, So one of the solutions that Mayor Eric Garcetti has floated is um, taking like a sky tram, like a gondola um, kind of. Like I don't know, I don't know what to call that. Like a vehicle, like a like a line, like a like a thing. It's basically a boat that sort of stands on like a, a line,
2: and it sort of somehow gets up from one place to another place without you actually like,
0: touching the ground.
1: Like you know the just okay. just to clarify, it's not like the gondolas in Venice. There's no river going up featured hood. Yeah, it's like a tram, basically.
0: Yeah, I'm gonna call it a skyboat. So these skyboats are like attached to like cables. It's kind of like how a ski ski lift works. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Think about like a really long ski lift up like the side of Mount Lee. How ironic! Ellie's getting a ski lift when it has no snow. So the idea is that um, it starts somewhere like in Universal City, which is on the other side of Griffith Park. Um, you know, I, I assumed that they would like build a parking structure there so visitors could park their cars at the start of this gondola and the gondola, you know, they would pay maybe like $5 or something like that to take it. And they would take it to the base of Mount Lee where they could get a perfect view of the Hollywood sign. They wouldn't have to take their cars up to Beechwood or whatever. Um, you know, residents would be happy that they can have their streets back. Visitors would be happy that they can look at a billboard, um, and everyone would be happy. Um, but it has encountered some resistance, Man- and the number one concern that a lot of people have, that a lot of people have, is just the cost of like installing a gondola like contraption, um, that goes for maybe like uh, like two miles. I think that's about how far it would have to go.
1: That's a really huge gondola.
0: Yeah, like if it was traveling two miles an hour, it would take an hour to get there. If it was traveling four miles an hour, it would take half an hour to get there.
1: What if it's traveling thirty miles wow. an <laughs> hour?
0: Then it would take a lot shorter to get there. Then it's probably falling down because gravity. Yeah, in that case, you might as well just take a monorail, which is not the same as a gondola because monorails are not skyboats. <laughs> so anyways, um, so Eric you know, proposed this skyboat idea. Um, so one of the things is the cost. Personally, I don't think that's, it's that big of an issue because um, if they're charging money, um, for people to go on this and assuming that like all the visitors like take this and take advantage of this, you know, which I think would be a pretty fair proposition, like paying $5 to like, you know, go look at a really large billboard. Maybe they could set up like a plaque or like a small museum or something like at that site where they drop people off, give them a little more incentive to take the, gond- take the gondola over there. Um, maybe like, you know, solicit donations as well, because people love giving back to, um, parks and recreation and whatnot. I think that they could pretty easily recoup their costs. Like, I don't think Uganda would be, like, that expensive.
1: So, apparently, this suggestion dates back two decades, at least. That's yeah. according to a former city council a member. A
0: 20-year-old skyboat. Yes,
1: Yes, that, that's how long the idea has been there, but it's just been viewed as a
0: pipe dream, apparently. Yeah, but I think that people are starting to take it a lot more seriously now that the trailhead has actually been closed and that Beachwood uh, residents are actually starting to act on their tensions and, you know, like the overall situation is just becoming more and more unstable. So something has to give eventually. So I guess one of the things to consider with the gondola option is now
2: it's a ma- you have to take into consideration not just the expense of it, but also the logistics of managing it. With the trail, um, it was sort of people entered at their own discretion uh, if they i'm sure there are warning signs in case there are steep in case there are steep cliffs um but if people fell that was on them no there there weren't no well, nobody was held liable but if the city starts providing a gondola service and let's say the service breaks down or you're you're a bit high in the air and something goes wrong or residents. Like, since it would be passing over some sort of area, um, that area being damaged because people are littering and whatnot. These are are the sort of things, readily, things people have to deal with because, as we know, human beings are messy creatures and we like to drop things from high places
0: because...
1: Why why would there be windows in the gondola?
0: Well, you never... Is it going to be closed? Maybe, Maybe it's closed. Like, there hasn't been any formal... Proposal in yet, so we don't know. For, right, right, right. As far as we know, it could be maybe like a suspended monorail or something like that, and not necessarily a skyboat. Sure, but
2: I mean, it's, in, either, in either way, when the city starts providing its own services, it's going to be held liable for it. And that means that it's going to have to manage the services, you know, you routinely maintain it, and that it's probably going to create some sort of commission or some sort of team uh, department to work on it, or have it, like, some certain department work on it. So I think. Taxpayer concerns are certainly valid in that in that case, um, but a gondola service would certainly add to the city. Um, I think uh, the proposal is like well timed, especially because the trail is closed, um, and this is such an iconic place. I wonder if the gondola service would just attract more people to begin with. Here's the thing about one concern about the gondola: it might like
1: block the view itself. You know, it might like ruin the view of the area. Like, what do you mean? Like, the existence of a gondola, if it's, like, going there, that those poles, they could, like, ruin, ruin the view of the Hollywood area and that hill.
0: Yeah, that's true. But, like, the idea is that, like, it would go, like, to the base, like, below the Hollywood area, right? Like, it would go to, like, the spot in the hole where, like, most of the people get off anyways yeah, but, if they were driving.
1: But the site, apparently the sign itself is a historical monument, so it's, like, going to yeah. face construction issues. They have to, like, do environmental studies if they can have the gondola. But here's a different idea they have. A Ferris wheel.
0: Yeah, that is also not like, yeah. I mean, I'm not that I'm not glad to see that our civic leaders are thinking outside the box um, for a solution to this pressing problem. Um, but we're starting to see a few, um, you know, skyboats, Ferris wheels, stuff like that. I
2: mean, I guess what you could do with the Ferris wheel is if it was rotating fast enough, you could just open up the hatches and just send people flying to the Hollywood sign. That way, you wouldn't be blocking any yeah. sign. go to
0: catapult.
1: Yeah, build a slingshot and then have a net on the other side.
0: (laughs) I'd be down. Personally, if you ask me, um, I think the easiest thing would do would just be to be like create an actual trail like coming out of Griffith Park. Going to the Hollywood sign. So no cars, but like they just make a new trail.
1: But that would still be through Beachwood, right?
0: No, 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 no. Like it would start like in the main part of Griffith Park, like outside of Beachwood. So, you know, like where the Griffith Observatory and everything is. Um, So just start there. The big concern with that, of course, is parking, because as we all know, like, Griffith Observatory already has very, very limited parking. Um, So so if they were to handle the extra traffic of both the Griffith Observatory and the Hollywood sign, they would probably have to add, like, some sort of structure or something um, just to fit, like, all those extra cars.
2: Ah, so we could have a gondola service to Griffith Observatory, and the gondola will go from the parking lot, which they'll build, like, two miles away.
0: Yeah, like, honestly, like, I don't even know why, like, Metro is investing in, like, all these me- subways and, like, light rails and stuff like that when they could literally just, like, install skyboats across the city.
1: <laughs> I'm so down for that.
0: You heard, you heard me, Garcetti. Okay. Get on it. Um anyways like I just think that like adding an extra trail would probably be the easiest way to go for this kind of thing like why are we you know going with like all these fancy contraptions and stuff like that but you know at the end of the day we just need to make sure that like people are able to see the Hollywood sign and beachwood residents get their valued privacy and everything like that um because it's become incredibly apparent that like the situation can't go on any longer as it is right now um, so I think that about wraps up our show for today. Um, so until next time, uh, Daily Bruins, we will see you um, until next time.
1: Did you see?